Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 26. We are rocking and rolling. <laughs> I just want to say hi, welcome. If this is your first episode, thank you so much for checking out the pod. If you are a returning listener, thanks for coming back. Um, today, I have a really great episode planned. I am talking with a amazing guy. His name is Phil Dahlman and he is a fellow podcaster himself. I was actually a guest on his podcast, Access Champions, a little while back. And he is just that, an access champion. (laughs) His podcast is all about accessibility and inclusion and diversity, mainly in the arts, uh, which is his background. So we will get into all that and more in the episode. I do want to say just really quickly before we get started, thank you so much to everyone who has reached out this past week. I am just always blown away to hear from so many amazing listeners and autism mamas and dads and people who are, you know, in similar situations as to I am and just that sense of community. I know how important it is to to me and hearing that it's important to, to you guys too and that the show is resonating. It honestly, it just means the world to me. Um, and again, if you are enjoying the show and you would be so kind to leave a review on Apple Podcast. That would be amazing. That really helps people to find the show and just spread the love, spread the word that you like adventures in autism. <laughs> um, okay, so with that being said, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Phil. Hello, oh. Phil. Hello. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. (laughs) Okay, so Phil is a fellow podcaster. He is also the Access Champion himself. (laughs) (laughs) He has a podcast called Access Champions that I was a guest on. I had the honor and privilege to be a guest on um, probably about a month ago or so. And we had connected through sort of just random happenstance. My brother is friends with your friend who is your producer of your Mm -hmm. podcast. Um, so that was how you and I connected. And I, when you asked me to come on your podcast, I had never heard it before. And then I listened to it. I was like blown away by it. I just thought it was incredible. And you as a person and a human are amazing. So I had to come get you on my pod. (laughs) So, um, I I'm really excited because like I was saying before, when, when I was on your podcast, we, we talked a lot about me and on your episodes, (laughs) you talk a lot about your guests, but I'm excited to hear your story and your journey. So if you will kind of take us back to what inspired you to get into the field of inclusion and access and how that, that whole thing started. Yeah. Uh, so I always say I, I uh, kind of had a, a, a windy journey uh, in, into <laughs> this field, uh, as I, I feel like most people do. Uh, it's usually never like some 11 year old woke up one day and said, I'm going to work in inclusion <laughs> uh, like that. That very rarely happens. Uh, so I um, I uh, I did my undergrad in playwriting and um after that was completed and and a variety of life things happened um i was looking at uh how do i how do i do that and how do i eat at the same time uh so always important it's very important yeah uh it's the thing they don't tell you about uh in your playwriting classes Uh, (laughs) i mean it's kind of a given right (laughs) right uh of course you'll make money to eat uh, you'll be fine uh but uh no they uh so i i didn't really know uh and i uh i found myself uh substitute teaching and um i was doing that and it was fine um you know high school kids can be the worst mm-hmm. uh so that that part wasn't great and he, honestly even there were some like third graders 
uh, that were the worst. Uh, <laughs> Kids in general are the worst. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to make a mass generalization, no. <laughs> but the shoe fits. Uh, I do but... a really funny Instagram account called Kids Are the Worst, which if, if anybody is interested, it's it's very funny. But oh, I did. Dig- I may need to follow. I may need to follow it's, that. It's very funny. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so I was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are the worst. Uh, and uh, I was there and I'd been there for maybe only a couple of months. Um, and uh, they, they came to me and said, Hey, would you like a full-time gig? Um, and I was like, no, but I probably should. <laughs> uh like being an adult or trying to be an adult and and you know you want health insurance and things mm-hmm. and they said great so you're going to be an assistant in the autism classroom and i said fantastic uh what's autism <laughs> wow you were like that outside of it i i had barely ever touched it uh and, and I, you know, I had heard the term Asperger's before I had worked a couple of theater camps in college. And um, so I had encountered a couple of kids that, you know, had had that diagnosis, but I didn't really have a, a, an idea of anything. Mm-hmm. So this, this happened probably on a Friday and I spent the weekend uh, Googling autism mm-hmm. and I found mostly uh, very verbal uh, Sheldon-esque <laughs> kind of high functioning uh, yeah uh depictions and i was like cool i got this no problem <laughs> uh and then i walked into this classroom and it was five mostly nonverbal, very large grown adults oh, uh, high behavior sometimes violent mm-hmm. um and uh I was immediately wanted to like run away. Yeah. Um, I was like, Oh, this, this is definitely not for me. Uh, but, but I had accepted a job. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) No, tell Okay. So this was in in a high school, but Mm -hmm. was this like a, I've talked about it with other, other people in the podcast and I know it's different everywhere. You're, you live in New Jersey, correct? That's yeah. That's where I was. So this is where, okay. This is New Jersey. So like here in Chicago, um, obviously high school goes to you know like when you graduate when you're 18 and then we have like an after program for people with special needs that they they call it the steps program here and that goes to i want to say age 22 so were these like high school actual high school students or were they like graduated uh some were some were high school students some were i think the oldest was 19 okay so the program there went to 21 gotcha okay Uh, okay when you say um like autism classroom so it was not other special needs it was just people with autism yes everyone in that classroom had an autism diagnosis that's um really, that's that's kind of cool that they're that is like you know it, they have like their own setup because it is so different than a lot of special needs yeah i and and but to some extent it was um and not that i don't want to give credit to the school district okay uh, but <laughs> I, I think it was a bit of uh, this happened to be the folks who um, required more attention. Um, so okay. could be less mainstreamed um, while the other uh, special education program had elements of mainstream. Uh, yeah. This one really didn't. Okay. So, so these, these, the students that you had really did need more support. Yes. Okay. So this is a classroom of uh, one head teacher um, three aides and then me. And what was your position exactly? A uh, generalized assistant. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just kind of around. Oh, uh, most vague. mostly handling the sensory room uh, supervision. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was very intense to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd say probably in two weeks, I had fallen in love with these kids. Um, and within those two weeks, I, I, you know, been punched in the face and, uh, like, you know, I, I was all, but I, I, there was just a genuineness and yeah, I, you know, it's hard. I've always, I've always struggled to put into words, Mm -hmm. um, 
the the feeling uh, that was in that room without sounding super hippy dippy. There was an energy. No, go for it. Get yeah. hippy. <laughs> <laughs> there, well, there was like an energy, and it was mm-hmm. it, it, it it you know, for lack of a better term, it, it sounded it, it felt correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I was you know like okay, great. Uh, I'll, I'll be here, and and then I found myself realizing. I didn't necessarily want to teach mm-hmm. um, and the classroom maybe wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, I didn't necessarily want to have to navigate, you know, different benchmarks with the students or, um, you know, IEPs and, and things <laughs> of that, that nature. And, and, and the struggle of, of things uh, like plateauing and um, stuff like that. So it was, it was, you know, it was, it was a good realization. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, but then I sat there for probably a month, two months, just kind of trying to figure out how I existed in this world. And it, it, I don't, there was no like uh, grand uh, event, but there was some moment of epiphany where I said, you know, I want to combine these things and these things being what I'm feeling right now and what I felt um, in the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I hopped on Google, uh, as you do, uh, mm-hmm. and was looking at, you know, autism in the arts and, um, there, there at the time, this was, you know, um, a while ago, um, there, there was significantly less out there than there is. Now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, TDF had just launched their autism theater initiative. Um, so they had done, I, I think at that point, just one autism friendly performance. Um, Back up and tell us what TDF is. Uh, the Theater Development Fund. Okay. Um, it is, uh, uh, for those of you who have been to New York or seen pictures of Times Square, uh, there's the big red steps in Times Square <laughs> uh, and then the TKTS booth mm-hmm. that's there for discount tickets. It's that company, um, which uh, people don't often know. Um, is a giant nonprofit that is very focused on accessibility and inclusion um, beyond just, I mean, with disability, but also beyond um, bringing many students, inner city students to, to the theater mm-hmm. um, and creating discount programs for senior citizens and, and, and really just making the arts um, accessible in, in a variety yeah. of capacities. Um, so they, at that point, had just done the autism friendly performance of Lion King and it was a huge deal that they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, but they hadn't done, there, were, there wasn't like a lot of track record for, for this kind of thing out there. Um, so I was like, okay, okay. Um, and I started applying for some jobs um, and uh, at a variety of different, mostly more uh, autism focused organizations rather than theater focused. Um, and I had some interviews and they were all very nice people, mm-hmm. uh, but they all kind of said, you seem wonderful. You have zero qualifications in autism. <laughs> <laughs> and You're I like, like, hey, I worked in the classroom yeah. with the movement. <laughs> I was like, it seems like I should be okay, but you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> in a lawsuit, I'm probably not great. Yeah. Uh, I, I get the liability. Um, <laughs> but uh yeah, so I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm really not sure what to, to do. And then uh, a friend of a friend had um, pushed me towards um, uh, Penn State's World Campus programs um, because I, I knew I didn't really want to go back, back to school. Um, and by that, I mean, I didn't want to be on a campus again. Um, I was kind of done with that, um, ready to, to live my adult life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, so I, I ended up enrolling in that, uh, which is predominantly online program. And that, you know, over, over time ended up um, evolving into an individualized master's um, focused on um, specifically cognitive disability um, and uh, the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I made the move to New York, um, took a terrible job to get up here um just just the worst what was it I uh, oh it was a catch-all admin <laughs> uh job at a private school um that uh was very poorly run um 
And there was, I, I ended up leaving there after not even a full year um, because I had semi-identified uh, like embezzling and was oh, told, I- yeah, it was told just not to worry about it. Okay. So mm-hmm. left there, went to a, a PT clinic um, uh, with an admin job there uh, that required me to be there at 530 in the morning. Oh my. Um, which is not my jam. Uh, and then luckily after only, I want to say four or five months there, I happened to be scrolling through some listings and I saw that TDF was hiring, uh, someone to run their autism friendly performances. Um, I applied, um, and, uh, very quickly was invited to interview, which was great. Mm. Um, and I was like a hundred percent sure I didn't get it because the guy that went in before me, the interviewers like hugged and, oh. <laughs> you know, they knew. Um, and so I went in and I, and I just kind of, uh, I, I actually texted my mom. I was like, I didn't get this uh, before I even went in. Um, and she was like, well, just, you know, relax and use it as experience. And um, so I went in and I, I probably was the most relaxed I've ever been. I just <laughs> was very honest about my experiences in the, in the classroom and um, you know, kind of the, everything that happens in one of those classrooms mm-hmm. um and i ended up getting the job uh because they said i was the only person who walked in that knew the difference between stage left and stage right as well as aba <laughs> <laughs> and, See, it's like very specific and you were the guy it was it so <laughs> i uh, i dove into that and uh i loved it um it was really great. And originally, um, for my first year, I was uh, just working on the autism friendly performances. Um, and uh, it was it was absolutely amazing. And I was working with a, a team of um, and I continued to work with a team of uh, specialists as well, a mix of uh, BCBAs and uh, OTs um, who, who kind of helped guide. And, and as I previously mentioned, also helped with that sort of liability um in in decision making and um after a year um i ended up being promoted um and after uh, one of my colleagues left and and took over all the accessible managing all the accessibility programs they had there um and uh that included open captioning and sign interpreting and audio description um and physical access um, and we, we did a lot of great work there. Um, and they, they continue to do great work. Um, but I, I, am very proud of, of the work we did there and, and, you know, specifically the autism friendly performances we did. Um, you know, we, one of the things that I came in with was having existed a little bit in the adult world, mm-hmm. um, and understanding the, the want and need for things that are not just necessarily Lion King. Right. Um, Disney's wonderful. And Disney theatrical uh, is tremendous in their uh, generosity in in wanting to make their their uh, programming accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's other subsects of the community that are looking for something different. Um, And so when we, you know, got the opportunity to do things like, you know, we did the first autism friendly performance of the Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime on Broadway. And that was amazing. And it was such a fun experience. And we got to work with the National Theater and collaborate with them um, in designing that. Um, but getting to do outreach to to adults uh, on the spectrum and let them know that they come see the show where they can maybe identify themselves on mm-hmm. stage. Um, but in a safe and supportive environment. Um, and, you know, uh, we did things, you know, my very last show there uh, was Come From Away, um, which was a show that, you know, I think when I started, they would have said, no, that community is not very going to be very interested in that. But after five years of, of showing that the community was looking for diverse programming, um, not just uh, what, what I would designate family friendly, mm-hmm. um, you know, we got to a place where, you know, uh, good content was good content and we should make mm-hmm. it all good content accessible. Yes. Um, we should make all content accessible and we, you know, <laughs> I, 
I, I'm not going to be the judge of what's good or bad, but, um, you know, <laughs> come from way won a couple of Tonys, I believe. So I feel like, you know, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> it, yeah, but it was, it was really, really great. Um, and I, I so cherish my time there, um, because I learned so much. Um, and I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't, you know, uh, my direct boss there was Lisa Carling, um, who's been doing the access thing for, uh, many years. I won't put a number on it. I don't want to date it. <laughs> uh, but she's been doing it for many years with, with, uh, I, I call them the, the four, four horsewomen of accessibility. Um, <laughs> it's these four just badass women, yeah. uh, that do the thing, um, and have been doing it for, for a long time. Um, and she's one of them. And, um, along with Betty Siegel from the Kennedy Center and Ruth Feldman in Connecticut and, and Beth Prevor here uh, in New York as well. Um, they've all just done the thing for, for a while now. Um, but Lisa, you know, was a mentor as was uh, Sarah Z's there. And um, I learned so much. Um, but as, as is often the case, things run their course. Um, and I found myself... Uh, in the fall of 2017, uh, needing a change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there needed to be a shift um, professionally. And I wasn't sure what that was, but I knew I needed to leave TDF to kind of figure it out. Um, and so I did um, without a job, which, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm getting married this year. So planning a wedding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and leave your job is like not definitely uh, something you only do if you have the world's best fiance, uh, <laughs> which I do have. Uh, she's okay. amazing. <laughs> um, and I'll say I was unemployed for not very long before I got antsy. Um, I have a lot of <laughs> friends who are like uh, production assistants and things like that, that do like unemployment for, you know, a couple months at a time and like really cherish it. <laughs> um, in between gigs and I, I just don't have the personality for that uh, <laughs> I was like giving the dog like five walks a day just... <laughs> it was not good <laughs> you like, sit on the couch watching trashy reality TV <laughs> I, I, you know I blew through the DVR and it was like okay now what do I do uh, so I, I ended up um, really needing a project and luckily two things came um, and, and, and I I should say, you know, I had a couple of consulting things come almost immediately, um, which was great, but they just weren't taking up enough of my time. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I had sort of two opportunities come in, in, in two different ways. Um, first was Kaiser's Room, uh, which was um, a gentleman I had met I think once before, uh, reached out to me after he heard I'd left TDF. Um, his name is Stefan Durrett, Um, and he's the, I believe he's the understudy or, or swing. I don't, I'm always bad about that. Uh, for Lola in Kinky Boots. Um, and he had founded this company um, here that did theater and dance classes with a focus on imagination and connection um, for students with cognitive and developmental disabilities uh, of all ages. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he was kind of doing it by himself. You know, he had some teaching artists and, and some performing artists um, because they were doing a monthly show. Um, And, but he, you know, admin wise, management wise, um, he was kind of making it up as he went. Um, And so he was like, I really want you to to come on board, uh, be our, you know, essentially first executive director. Uh, and so I made him like wine and dime me a couple of times, uh, but uh, I knew. How bad do you really want me? <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, but he's one of those people that if you spend five minutes with, you're ready to run through a wall for. Um, he's just very charismatic, but he's also so passionate. Um, and he loves this community so much. Um, so, and, and, and again, you know, I mentioned like the genuineness. I, I really am very I feel like most people should be, but I'm very attracted to people that come off extremely genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the kind of people that I want to work for and, and work with. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, we did, a, I, I came on board. Um, I call it uh, extra part-time because uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a startup and essentially it's, you know, a couple years old. Um, but I've been doing that for the last year with them and, and um, 
yeah, actually we're coming up on almost a year now. Uh, and I love it. And uh, we've grown exponentially in the last year and it's just been a blast. Um, and then the other thing was I, um, you know, one of the things that I loved about being in the access field while I was at TDF was the people I, I got to meet and the people I got to learn from um, and have discussions with. And, you know, there was, they had a lot of national programs. So when I would travel around the country and meet these people and inevitably, you know, you're there for a caption performance, but afterwards you go out for dinner or a drink or what have you, and you really get to deep dive into principles of inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and there just were so many interesting perspectives and things like that. And I just, I, I was missing it. And um, I was actually hanging out uh, with Matt, uh, my, our, our producer on Access Champions. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we may have had a couple of drinks. Uh, <laughs> and I was lamenting missing that bit. And he was just like, you once mentioned like a podcast. Why don't you just do that? And I was like, yeah, I, like, I can't do a podcast. And he's like, Phil, anyone can do a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and he showed me a couple Ain't of like, <laughs> he showed me a couple of like terrible podcasts. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, yours at least is like, has heart. You're, or what you want to do has heart and inevitably wants to do good. Um, so I ended up doing a beta episode with, um, the director of audience services from Steppenwolf Theater Company in Chicago. Oh, that's right by me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Evan Hatfield, who he's a good friend of mine and, and was very generous in being like, yeah, I'll, I'll hop on a call and we'll see what happens. And mm-hmm. I, um, we ended up talking for like three hours and oh wow, like figuring out uh, what the podcast really was mm-hmm. uh, and what the, sh- you know, a little bit of what the structure was and, what the overall goal was um, mm. and really identifying. Cause you know, no matter what field you're in, I feel like it's very easy to lean into the, well, this is what's terrible about this, you know, or this is this obstacle and this is hard. Um, and I realized I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about what, what was good happening out there and um, the progress being made and the people that were innovating um, and changing the game. And yeah, you know, we, we have to acknowledge that there are obstacles, but mm-hmm. um, why not, why not uh, champion uh, pun slightly intended <laughs> uh, the wins and the victories, no matter how big or small they are. Um, they're all victories in this, in this movement towards inclusion. Um, and uh so Matt was like, I'll, I'll, I'll produce the thing. And cause I, I couldn't have done it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I spent too much money on equipment. <laughs> um, and, uh, for someone that was like semi unemployed, uh, <laughs> and saving for a wedding and saving for a wedding and a honeymoon <laughs> and pays rent in New York. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, I bought the stuff and we dove in and I'll say it's just been, it's the best thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's my favorite thing. Um, don't tell Kaiser Germ. I love Kaiser Germ. <laughs> uh, but it, it really, the conversations I get to have, the people I get to meet. I mean, I was on the phone the other day with a woman from Ghana. Oh my like, God. <laughs> you know, uh, who, who created the first comic book superhero was cerebral palsy. Like, it was amazing. Uh, and like the beauty of technology that I'm on the phone with a woman in Ghana, mm-hmm. uh, but like getting to hear these stories from around the world. And like, you know, one of our f- first episodes was uh, with Hans Weiberg um, over in Denmark who created the Be My Eyes app. Um, and I, I think he's like episode four or five. Um, it, you know, folks just kind of started recommending each other and Mm -hmm. i was always just constantly amazed i apologize if the street noise is starting to come in there's a party happening in chelsea right oh hey i guess i'm not (laughs) sure uh they didn't invite you i didn't and you know i like stayed at my office for this because i was like oh this will be quieter like my dog won't bark uh but you know uh who knew party on a thursday in chelsea there's always a party in new york (laughs) yes i mean you're not wrong (laughs) Uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, no, this, uh, this podcast has been, it, it's really been, um, quite amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like I, I should, I should also note that like, uh, moving to New York, I, I, I while I dove into this, uh, accessibility and, and inclusion field, I did not, um, uh, give up the, the, the writing, uh, the playwriting, um, okay. and we're actually heading to a workshop uh of a new play or not so new that i wrote um but uh this april um uh that is based on my time in that autism classroom oh my gosh uh so that would be amazing (laughs) i think so uh we've been developing it for for a few years now really uh really excited um where we'll be using um i again i believe in inclusive casting so um, the characters uh, with autism will be played by actors on the spectrum. Um, right. And, you know, we're diving into that casting process now. Um, but it's, you know, it's been, it's been very rewarding, very exciting um, to be diving into that as well. What an incredible, like, full circle. That Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. It's, it's just like, it's, it's unbelievable sometimes, kind of how you said at the beginning. Where, you know, it's like the path is windy, there's twists and turns, but somehow you end up exactly where you're supposed to be. Oh, absolutely. And everything along the way makes sense then because this is where you are now. Mm-hmm. And I, I even met my fiance at an autism friendly performance. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah, she volunteered uh, for, for one of the performances and I met her there. Uh, wow. So I, I owe a lot to this field. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I have, I have a lot of questions. Hit me with them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, the first one is actually a comment, Um, but how you were kind of saying in the beginning that you were, were drawn to, to these, these people, these kids with autism and you didn't really know why. And then later you said that you're always connected to people who are, who are genuine. You look for Mm -hmm. that, that genuineness in people. And it, that makes perfect sense because you will not meet somebody more genuine than somebody on the spectrum. Because mm-hmm. that is who they are. That is mm-hmm. just innately who they are. And they don't know how to be anything else. And I think kind of touching on when you said, like, I, I don't know what it is. Because I, I have that same feeling all the time with, with my son and with, you know, other most what I know at this point is kids because my son is, is young. Mm-hmm. But it's just like these these children are it, it's it's just something. And like you said, it is hard to put your finger on it, but it's like when they smile at you, that is the most genuine smile you've ever seen. When they hug you, it is with like every ounce of love in their bodies. Like, it's just like, they are so completely themselves. And that is such an amazing thing to witness. So it it makes sense to me that it's like, this is what you were drawn to. If you're always, you know, you're looking for people who are genuine because yeah, that, that is, that is what it is when you're on the spectrum. It's just like you, you can't help but be genuine. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That was like this listening, making those connections. (laughs) I was like, that's amazing. Um, Okay. So that's the first thing. The second thing is kind of going back. Tell me a little bit more because I, I don't know if I, this came up on, on your podcast. It definitely has not come up on mine, but I am a theater nerd. (laughs) (laughs) I, I actually grew up doing musical theater and I have a lot of friends still who are, um, actors and actresses and it's very near and dear to my heart. Um, but I have never been to a, like an autism friendly performance. And again, Logan is young. So we haven't really like dove into, we've, we've taken him to a few kind of like show type things. Um, Mm -hmm. but we haven't done anything that's like necessarily meant for an autism audience. What exactly does that entail? Uh, absolutely. Uh, so, um, just so I don't forget it. Um, you should check out Lifeline Theater, which is also in Chicago. Oh, okay. um, they do autism-friendly performances. I, uh, I, they may call them sensory-friendly. Okay. Autism-friendly, sensory-friendly, relaxed. Okay. Those are all generally the same thing. Okay. Um, it's just following different terminology models. Um, but uh, so the idea is that it's supportive, right? Um, and it can be a variety of things. The kind of guiding principles are um sort of it being sensory supportive so um reduce sound 
Um, we used to say kind of a baseline was 90 decibels, um, but that changes because 90 decibels in different spaces sound different. Um, and, um, you know, uh, we would occasionally or most of the time keep the house lights up um, at like 30 percent. Mm-hmm. So it kind of softens things on stage, um, makes transitions seem less stark, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, the thing that I was always most adamant about was the strobe lights um cutting strobe lights if they're in the show mm-hmm. um you know there's just such a, a heavy crossover um not only in a sensory reaction but with epilepsy right. um it just it, I, in my opinion you can't have mm-hmm. it um other people may argue otherwise um and then it becomes the other supports so uh i you know i i believe that like 80 percent of what makes a great you know autism friendly sensory friendly relaxed performance great is prep materials so uh providing materials to the audience members um and their families and their caregivers um weeks in advance that help them introduce characters help them introduce plot and help them introduce them to the theater environment Mm -hmm. before they even walk in the door i think are arguably the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we would do, you know, a social narrative for, um, because Carol Gray uh, trademarked social story <laughs> uh, uh, for uh, every, every show um, that would have images of every theater um, and of the show. And then there would be a character guide breaking down each character that would be very visual. Um, and when I've consulted, I've done, you know, uh, unfortunately, with while I was at TDF, um, you know, they're third party, so they don't own the theater. So we weren't necessarily able to go in and create video uh, social stories for every theater there. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I consult, uh, these places own their own theaters. So uh, we've created, I think, we've created like 17 video social stories at this oh, point. Wow. Um, uh, theaters and museums that are, you know, create, you know, sort of guided. This is what it looks like when you come to our building. Mm-hmm. Um, so folks can feel, uh, some sense of familiarity mm-hmm. when they come in. Um, and then beyond that, um, there's sort of a, um, you know, depending on your institution, whether it's, you know, a regional theater that only uses ushers or Broadway that has ushers that we now need to bring in some volunteers for it's training a, a welcoming staff. Um, and while most staffs at, at like, especially nonprofit theaters are very, very welcoming to begin with, it's a specific kind of welcoming and understanding that certain rules are, are not in play mm-hmm. at one of these performances. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, any noise making yeah. is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting up and having to come back in as long as it's safe. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in, we did um, my actually my very first autism friendly performance was uh, Spider-Man. Oh, that went uh, really so, well. Oh my god, it uh, was just terrible. Uh, <laughs> I never it was, saw it, but I mean, just oh, the show actually was not as bad as everyone said. Oh really? Uh, yeah, it was not as bad. Uh, you know, you could see the elements where someone just needed to have said no. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, for it to be my first autism-friendly performance with all the flying. And they had a strobe that they couldn't cut because it was connected to like some set cues oh, and wow. things. Um, in a nineteen hundred seat house, <laughs> yeah, and it just was uh, terrifying. <laughs> I think I, I I said so many prayers, probably more prayers than I had uh, since I was like eleven in Sunday school, <laughs> and uh, it was just terrifying. Um, but. Um, so that was one where there was safety in question, mm-hmm. right? So, cause they like land in the audience. And uh, so at different times people couldn't get up. Um, so that, you know, that was kind of unique. Um, but, you know, having the ability for folks to be able to leave, take a break, you know, creating spaces in the theater, um, in the theater lobbies uh, as break areas, whether they're, you know, we would flip between quiet and activity areas, but they're all kind of ended up, you know, bleeding together and being kind of the same thing, just a general break area with, a soft place to land, some beanbag chairs, mm. um, some tactile things, um, maybe the music from the show um, on an iPod or something. Um, you know, I, I was always I was always trying to strike that balance between uh, very calm but not 
more interesting than what's happening in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and also things that could create the conversation about going back in the theater. Mm-hmm. Now, there were times that, like, you know what, you just, you eyeball and you go, you know what, probably not going back in. That's fine. They've had a great mm-hmm. time. You know, this was a, su- a success. Yes. You know, they made it in for five mm-hmm. minutes. They made it in for an act. You know, whatever it was, um, you could tell that the family had deemed it a success. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yes, yeah, so that, I mean, that's kind of the long and short of it. Um, no, I think that's great. Yeah. That was like my, I mean, you, you kind of hit everything, but um, when you were first talking about, or when I, when I first even heard, you know, the term autism friendly, or like you said, sensory friendly, um, because, you know, autism, obviously it is a spectrum. Everybody is so different. So it's like, you know, what works for one person is probably not going to work for the other. What one person has an issue with another person could be fine with that, but then might have to do mm-hmm. something else. Um, so it makes sense that it's like, you kind of have like all these, like you said, like kind of different setups and, things that are there to support in in different ways for everybody yeah and and you know i always um you know i had different colleagues that would be like well so and so on the spectrum really needs these things and so why aren't we doing that and i i always said you know you have to paint in broad strokes yeah it's a giant spectrum and if we really want to serve this community and and when i left you know they were they were pushing um almost like a 20,000 person mailing list. Wow. Um, you know, if we want to serve all of these people and these families the best way possible, you know, we're, we're going to have to be a little broad and we can adapt in the moment and um, have the tools to create specific things. But, you know, our general like point of attack in, in looking at a production and looking at a theater and looking at a, a an usher staff, it's got to be, it's got to be a little broad. Yeah. Um, I think to be most effective. Um, again, this is, you know, I always say my, my philosophy, other people feel differently, but, mm-hmm. um, that's how I've, I've always, uh, looked at. No, it. I, I think that makes, that makes total sense. Um, I love what you said about, you know, if there's any kind of noise, <laughs> cause that would be our biggest issue. Logan, he, he loves like, he loves loud music and he, he even likes mm-hmm. like bright lights and all that. Like he loves he loves all that stuff. We can kind of take him anywhere, but he himself is extremely loud and getting him to turn that volume down is basically impossible. Um, so that's, that's what I would worry about if I took him to a performance that he would be uh, like so excited and getting, getting all worked up and loud. Um, but that's wonderful to know that those things are, you know, it's, it's understood. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, I, I can't wait to bring him to a show. Um, Okay, and then my next question is about Kaiser's room. I feel uh-huh. like we you you touched on that, but tell me like, so what exactly happens? So it's it's classes. Yeah, so it's um, predominantly classes, um, theater and dance mm-hmm. um, based, um, and they the the idea is that it's incredibly individualized. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, we focus on, we cap our class sizes at seven. Okay. Um, and we have two teachers in each class, uh, sometimes more, depending on the makeup of the class. Um, and we we meet the students where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet each, each individual where they are and to cultivate an environment that will allow them to connect, um, potentially allow them to connect, <laughs> um, and um, figure out how they imagine you know, you know, how, how does that muscle work for them? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause we do look at imagination as a muscle that needs to be flexed mm-hmm. and it, it needs to be worked. Um, and oftentimes this community uh, ends up being um, having to do so many therapies and classes and things like that, that things like turning a cardboard box into a spaceship gets overlooked mm-hmm. Uh, so creating an environment where those things can happen and there's some structure to it. And, um, you know, some classes, uh, get more technical, uh, if it, if, uh, the group allows for that. Mm-hmm. I know, uh, my fiance actually is one of our teaching artists and she teaches a 21 plus class. Um, and they are, uh, they know what first position is now <laughs> and tondus and, uh, 
I'm sure Jebba other <laughs> other dancers, uh, <laughs> uh, but you know there are other classes that it's you know that's not so much. And we play the this is a game where we turn you know a fork into a variety of things, um, and and yeah, so we have that, and then we have a monthly show uh, called Treasure in NYC, which is a um, a multi sensory musical. Um, that is also individualized. So every student uh, is assigned a treasure guide. Um, and we go through this sort of um, treasure hunt through New York City via projections and props and, and set and all that. Um, and, um, you know, that's a, it's a blast. Um, yeah. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and we adjusted it this fall or this winter, I should say, um, to be holiday themed for the first time. Our writers uh, who wrote it a couple years ago came in and did some rewrites. Um, and I was uh, lucky enough uh, to be to be called up to the big leagues to play Santa. Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> our, our Santa fell lifetime. through. <laughs> yeah, our Santa fell through. And with a week to go as, a, as an executive director, I just had to uh, uh, buy, a, buy a Santa suit and, and dive on in. Oh, my. Uh, and it was, I mean, it was the best. It was my favorite thing that I've done as an executive oh director. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, was just get to be Santa, get to hear everybody's Christmas list and, uh, you know, take pictures and, and just see folks light up. And um, This could be your next part-time gig. I mean, poss- I have the suit now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought about it. Uh, it was really, you know, again, it was like very full circle. Mm-hmm. I, um, I found out later... Um, my my dad's dad um who i didn't know very very well he he passed when i was still pretty young um used to go to the special services school as santa i have uh, no. i i you know my mom actually was the one who told me um and uh i was like this is i was like oh yeah i, I like i vaguely knew that mm-hmm. uh but it, it didn't click and so yeah it was just uh, that's incredible uh, was it was great it was like I, I yeah it was it just was it was so much fun uh and uh i'll say kids because they were all kids this mm-hmm. time um all the kids were just they were a blast and they all had really fun christmas lists and <laughs> um you know uh one little girl wanted a spoon oh hey I was like, God, I was like, your parents got it easy this year. Hey, wish granted for that one. <laughs> done and done. Does it have to be new? I'll get you like, yeah. I was like, I might have one on me. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that is so cute. Yes, I mean, Christmas with yeah. kids is just the best. Um, wow, that. Oh my gosh, Phil, that is so cool. Um, <laughs> okay, well, Kaiser Gym sounds amazing. I wish we lived in new york because i would 100 <laughs> percent be sending my my kid there because again theater is so near and dear to my heart and mm-hmm. i mean obviously like i want my kids to do whatever makes them happy but you know i would be so happy if they wanted to follow in mommy's footsteps no i'm just kidding um yeah. no but that that sounds amazing all all the work that that you guys are doing like truly remarkable um Okay, so then the next thing I want to talk about, and I mean, you already were talking about the podcast, but so much of what you were saying about your podcast, I totally can relate to with with this podcast, because it is just like when you were like, it's the best like that. That's totally how I feel about this, because it's just like the the connections that you get to make and the people that you that you talk to on the show, but then also with people that are listening. It's it's just like it makes the world feel so much smaller. I don't know if you feel like that too. Um, I've never felt more like that since starting this podcast. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also has made it feel bigger, yeah, bigger because I'm not really sure who's listening to my podcast, <laughs> uh, but there are more people than just my mom. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, as a baseline, like my only expectation was like, ah, my mom will probably listen to this. <laughs> it, you know, if my sister shows her how to get, podcast on her phone uh but uh yeah it's been it's been really really great and it's really given me um the sense of community that i was starting to miss Mm -hmm. um because this this world of accessibility and inclusion whether you're benefiting from the services 
or you're one of the folks trying to create them or push them through. Um, it's a community and it's a really interesting one. And even while I was at TDF, I'll say, you know, it was really like once a year, there's a big conference, the Kennedy Center hosts called uh, the lead conference, uh, leadership exchange in arts and disability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always called it access nerd camp. Um, Were you saying because your it, show? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's great. Uh, but it's where you go and it's like all your people. Yes. Like the one time you don't like have to make the case for open captioning mm-hmm. because everyone there believes in open captioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it, you know, it's four days, five days. Um, and, you know, by the time it comes around the next year, you're like, oh, I really need this. And I feel like in some ways, I, I get that year round now mm-hmm. um, because I get to talk to somebody almost every week or I'm listening to an interview that I did a couple weeks ago with somebody um, that are my people, mm-hmm. you know, it's my tribe. My tribe is inclusion. Scratches uh, that itch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful. And, and I'll say, I, I, I appreciate the Kennedy center has been very uh, supportive of the podcast. Um, in sharing it on social media. Um, but, you know, it became kind of part of, part of the goal was I, w- I realized kind of quickly that I, I got to help that conference and the ideas of that conference be year round mm-hmm. um, because, and, and identify people that maybe didn't know about these kind of conferences and we're doing great work in, in different places. Um that maybe and again expanding the idea of access beyond disability as well um and looking at inclusion when it comes to you know gender and transgender mm-hmm. and racial and um, looking at things like decolonization um you know i i learned so much mm-hmm. on this podcast you know friend again friend of a friend was like you need to talk to this woman annalisa diaz about decolonization i said fantastic what is that was gonna be my next question (laughs) (laughs) i was like i have no idea uh and uh which is like part of the problem as a cis white man Mm -hmm. um i i i historically my people have created colonization yeah um so it's the idea of removing um the elements of colonization from communities and like so for example when someone is like trying to bring the arts into an inner city community more often than not, they're bringing in Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So why, why are you not bringing in though that community's art? Right. Why are you not supporting that art? Why are you forcing an old white man mm-hmm. in this, in this realm? And, and I mean, that's kind of a, a tertiary look at it. Um, but if you guys want to learn more, listen to the episode with Annalisa. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she she does a much better job defining it. Um, but yeah, it was like things like that that I was like, I don't know anything about this. Let's talk about yeah. it. Um, and, and getting rid of that fear. And it's really, the other thing that I think it's really helped me in is um, I noticed a lot of, um, and again, I'm going to generalize here a little bit, but there's been a lot of, um, again, straight, uh, white men who do not identify as having a disability um, who have been defensive recently mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily open to learning. Um, and you look at somebody, again, I mean, most recently, Louis C.K., mm-hmm. um, you know, went on the attack in a lot of yeah. ways. Um, instead of acknowledging that there's a problem, but you don't necessarily have to say you're a part of the problem, right? Or looking at how you can help fix the problem. So, you know, uh, um, you know, are young black men uh, being, being, you know, violently murdered in the streets? Yes, absolutely. Is it predominantly by white men? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm also a white man, but I don't, have to feel like I'm necessarily responsible for that, mm-hmm. but I can be part of the solution. Yeah, I can look in the mirror and go, be different, be a voice of change, um, do what you can to fix this mm-hmm. um, in in your overall journey of life. Right. 
So, you know, do I, I don't particularly do well in marches. I, I have severe anxiety uh, when it comes to crowds like mm-hmm. that. Um, but, it, you know, things have gotten to the point now where, you know, I, I did make a pledge on the podcast that I'll be present at marches. I'll take a Xanax and we're going to just <laughs> do the thing. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think that, that, you know, it's without the podcast, I don't know if I would be as self-aware mm-hmm. um, and, and have, experience the conversations that I experience that are so far outside of what was my comfort zone Mm -hmm. um, to the point where I don't know if I have a comfort zone anymore like (laughs) I'm just like all right I'm down to talk about just about anything (laughs) Um, let's do it like uh, so it's you know it's really really wonderful Mm -hmm. Um, yeah (laughs) I feel like we just got real deep on adventures in autism yeah, I mean, <laughs> why not? <laughs> Absolutely, we, we get we get deep, but not not always about these kind of issues. Um, that that's incredible. I I love that your your willingness to just talk about all this stuff and just kind of tackle it head on. And I think that you are really doing amazing things on your podcast and just in life in general. Um, and I am I'm so thankful that you came on on my little podcast to to chat with me about all of it oh i mean of course i appreciate you coming on on uh uh, the access champions podcast i had so much fun chatting with you (laughs) oh it was great Uh, well okay so access champions is 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 the pod it's pod where else can people find you uh so uh the access if you go to um so it's on iTunes, it's on uh, Google Play, it's on SoundCloud. Um, we're the only Access Champions out mm-hmm. there um, right now. It's on Stitcher, I believe. We're, the only thing we're not on is Spotify. Oh, okay. uh, it's a never-ending struggle to get on Spotify. Um, and uh, But we, if you go to accesschampions.org, um, that'll direct you to um, all of our episodes. Um, we have 37 episodes up right now. Um, the 38th will come out next week. Um, and uh, we're, we're going, you know, it's a weekly podcast. Mm-hmm. We're, we're up and out. Um, you can follow us on social media. We're at Access Champion on Twitter and Instagram um, and the Access Champion podcast on Facebook. Um, our, uh, our champion intern, uh, Miss Kelsey Rose Brown is uh, amazing and puts out so much great content. I can't take credit for she- Literally. yes she definitely yeah. does oh she's <laughs> unreal <laughs> <laughs> i'll put you guys in context she's amazing she really is and like at, even at the end of last year she just reached out she's like so new year new look and like sent us these like guest drawing like drawings of our guests and stuff and i was like yeah this is great that's uh you're amazing yeah uh, oh my gosh so creative she's a hero awesome. uh, so um yeah between her and our producer matt kerstetter uh i'm you know i have a, a gluttony of riches when it comes to a team here <laughs> yes you are you are in um well i just have to say thank you again a for coming to the podcast but b just for all the amazing work that you are doing now and that you have done uh i, I know i i said it on your show but again i mean as as a an autism mom who only wants the best for her child and loves her child so fiercely to know that there are people out there like you that are making the world a, a better, more accessible place for our kids, our friends, our family, adults, it doesn't matter. It's, it really is just like, there's, there's no better feeling than knowing that there are people that understand and that want to help you. And so I just, I have to say thank you for that again. Well, now thank you. Uh, There's, you know, you know who's making it a better place? I would say is the autism mom. Oh, you are the the fiercest. <laughs> we are pretty uh, fierce. And, and some of my favorite people. So. Aw, that is so sweet. Uh, yeah, I am. I'm definitely a fierce mama. I will give you the one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Phil. Of course. Thank All you. All right. Take care. You too. 
Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my episode with Phil. Um, I just had so much fun talking to him. (laughs) And if you haven't yet, definitely go back and listen to uh, my episode on his podcast because, again, we just had a great time. (laughs) Um, He just, he cracks me up. He's so funny and I just, I love his passion and everything he does with inclusion, not just for special needs. Obviously, we got into a little more heavy topics, um, which I welcome. I think inclusion is good for all. That's that's what it's all about, right? Um, so again, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check out Phil's podcast, Access Champions, and find him on social media. If you want to follow me, uh, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, or on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I just love hearing from all you guys. It makes my day every time I get a new message. And I'm just, I'm so thankful that you guys are enjoying the show because I love it. (laughs) I have so much fun putting it together and talking to all the different guests and just connecting with you guys. It's amazing. Um, Again, I just want to ask if you are enjoying the show, please go to Apple Podcast and leave a review. Maybe rate it with five stars and subscribe while you're there. (laughs) Um, Anyone who's written a review already, thank you so much. I, I read all of them. I appreciate them so, so much. And again, they really just help people to find the show. So that is all for now. And until next time, take care.